Welcome to Season 4 of the Barfly Podcast. My name is Jeff Berger, Barfly columnist for the Bay Area News Group and author of the books 20 Years Behind Bars and its sequel, Parole Denied. My co-host and barback is Kevin Wall, editor of the online entertainment hub, The Marine Dish. So sit back and enjoy our little peek behind the hospitality industry crew. Oh, and don't forget to... Have a drink on me. Welcome back to the Barfly Podcast. We are very excited to have Andrew Freeman in our little virtual house here. Andrew is a true PR star and marketing guru in the hospitality world. For over 10 years, he was the VP of Public Relations and Strategic Partnerships for Kempton Hotels and Restaurants before venturing off to launch his own lifestyle marketing firm, Andrew Freeman & Company. Good name for that. And in his 17 years, he has developed and launched concepts for over 120 restaurants and hotels and provided marketing and operations consulting for over 200 others. If you look at many of the Bay Area's top restaurants, Andrew probably had his hand in launching and promoting them. There's much more to his impressive resume, but our podcast is only so long. So Andrew, welcome. Hello, hello. I'm tired just listening to the introduction. Yeah, you must be exhausted. I'm exhausted. (laughs) I'm always a sucker for stories about how people first got started, you know, in their career trajectory. So my first question to you is, how does a nice young man from Jersey wind up in this crazy world of restaurants and hotels? Well, it's really funny. I'll add one more thing, and I'm a Jew from Jersey. So that adds a little extra incentive to the fact that I grew up loving food. And, you know, between my grandmas and my mom and everybody that loved to cook, and but also because my mom was a working woman back then, you know, we ate out a lot. And I was fascinated with going out to dinner and looking at I, my favorite thing back then was the Jersey diners, you know, just being able to be exposed to that at a young age, because, you know, we had a different kind of livestock because my mom worked. So that got me started. But then, well, my, my plan was to be a Broadway star. And so <laughs> I was going to college at Montclair State and, you know, going into the city for auditions and doing my thing. And my parents were like, you know, you can pursue this acting thing as long as you go to get a college degree. Like any good actor, when you're not in in something or doing something, you find waiting tables is you supplement your income because of the flexible schedule. And anyway, I found a place called Arthur's Tavern, which was a classic New York restaurant where they had singing waiters. So I became a singing waiter and I was able to harness my interest in the restaurant business now with my love of, you know, acting. And then I graduated from college and I continued to audition for a while. And I was working with somebody who's my age now, who was still an actor waiting tables. And I had that moment where I was like, that can't be me. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, and so I had this degree in marketing and I decided to pursue straight advertising. I went into advertising. I was still doing a little acting on the side. And then I got lucky enough to be introduced to the founder and owner of the French Culinary Institute a woman named Dorothy Can Hamilton. It it was a life changer because she was looking for a marketing person. And I got this distinct opportunity to marry my love of restaurants and food and cooking with marketing. Jacques Pepin was my first teacher at the school because she was very adamant that I take the program so that I knew how to sell it. And on my second day, Jacques called me into his office and kicked me out of the kitchen. Uh, and And he still tells the story. He said, 
he said, you're very, you're very front of the house. You're not meant for the kitchen. So anyway, long story short, that led to an amazing opportunity to leave and go work at the Russian Tea Room, where I was the director of marketing for five years. And then from there, I got recruited to go to the Rainbow Room, where I spent another five years really you know, these are dream jobs working with mentors in the industry like Joe Baum and Faith Stewart Gordon. And then Kimpton called, Kimpton Hotels and Restaurants called. I'd never even been to San Francisco. They were looking to, they had only 10 restaurants and hotels at that time. And they were looking at somebody to spearhead their restaurant marketing and then also their concept development for the restaurants as their growth continued. After going through a process of like, how could I ever leave New York? I ended up in San Francisco and my career at Kimpton, another mentor, Nikki Leandakis. And then my trajectory at Kimpton went from being the director of restaurant marketing to overseeing PR and, and uh, partnerships for both the hotels and restaurant groups. And we opened 40 concepts in my 10 years. Wow. wow. Yeah. On my 40th birthday, I, I, had, I was hitting my 10th anniversary at Kimpton and I woke up and I thought, I really want to do my own agency. I've, I've been hiring agencies. So I sort of knew what was missing or what I thought was missing. And I went to Nikki and I said, you know, I'm, I have to do this before I get too old. She said that if I gave her the appropriate amount of transition time, they would become my first client. And that's how the whole thing started. And that was almost 17 years ago. Wow. wow. Yeah. In the restaurant business, it's always the unintended trajectory. It's not where you set out to go, but it's where you end up as a result. Absolutely. If you would have asked me if I would have a restaurant and hotel lifestyle marketing firm when I was a kid in college, it, would, it wasn't even on the radar. People always say to me, um, what was your business plan? And I was like, oh, if I had a business plan, I wouldn't be doing this anymore. You know, like, and I think that even though we're going into 17 years and through the worst two years of our lives, I still feel very much like we're a startup and we're very entrepreneurial. And we started a new company called Carbonate, which is our branding agency. This is a partnership with a long-term employee of mine. And that started about two and a half years ago. So we literally went through COVID as a startup. So it's just been a, it's been a wild ride. I think looking back, people would say like, you're, you know, as, as for all of us in the restaurant business, like you're crazy. But you know, that's the name of the game. If you're not crazy, you shouldn't be in this business. I love that Jacques Pepin thing. Yeah, he, I think he, he wears it as a badge of honor that he kicked me out. So Andrew, you've launched obviously countless restaurants over the years. Can you maybe explain a little bit more about the process of launching a restaurant, especially these days? Well, if like I wanted to open a restaurant, when should I call you? And what exactly would you do to help me to get ready for launch? There's basically two phases. One is conceptually getting that ready. So if they, you know, if they involve us in concepting or coming up with the right restaurant for the right space or naming or branding, that all needs to start, you know, at the inception of the plan, because uh, as you know, the failure rate of restaurants is extremely high. And I would say that in my experience, the main reason restaurants don't make it is because their concept is confused and people aren't stupid. They don't get it. So starting at the beginning with them for that process is very important. If they know what they're doing and they have a concept down, we initially say a four month preliminary period to get all the key messaging done, the press kit done, figure out the strategy, look at the menus, do all that, the tastings, everything pre prepping for launch. And then you launch. And then in some cases, you know, you, we stay on for two months just to 
follow up with all the media and everything that we've been working on. And then they're on their own. Or sometimes we become lifers like we are with, let's say, one market. We've been working with them for 16 of the 17 years. And so it really depends on the needs and the skill set of the restaurateurs. Let's face it. Nobody gets into the restaurant business that, that has a passion for restaurants because they love marketing. They look to us to be partners. And I always say we're strategic partners. We're not just your agency. So, you know, we have to have that kind of relationship. But I would say that, you know, you have to have at minimum four months before and then two to three months after. If you're interested in social media services and ongoing PR and marketing, then you go to a retainer and you stay on board. But different restaurants have different needs. Some don't need it. Some have somebody in-house that knows what to do. And so we, we're very flexible with our programs. That would apply to restaurants, like you said, that know what they're doing. Because I've watched an awful lot of restaurants open with the mentality that open the doors and they will come. Right. And that's not necessarily how it works. Or worse yet, like you said, they don't even have a name. Yeah. Well, certainly in Marin County, you're, you're, you're starting to see we have three different restaurant groups with, with three different of the same names. Right. We've got two Perry's. We have two farm shops. We have two bungalows. Right. I mean, it starts as a consumer, it starts to get confusing and you realize, I don't know how well thought out some of that was. Naming is, I say that of all the things, everybody thinks naming is really fun, but it's the most difficult thing because number one, somebody, there's no, there's no name that somebody hasn't come up with before. And so getting it and then keeping it and making sure that you can use it is is tougher than everybody thinks. And then it's like naming a kid. They have to live with it for the life of the restaurant. And, and you want to make sure that it's a memorable name. It's easy. So, yeah, naming is really, really tough. It also conveys a concept, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there, I don't want to say the name, but it, it, it's a great little restaurant. But the name is so bad that I avoided it for years just because of the name. And then when I went there, I thought, this is actually a pretty good restaurant. I thought, yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's a terrible decision on that name. I'll stress again, concept confusion can kill a restaurant. Like if you're, for instance, you're, if you're Italian, but you you hear, and I've had this happen, so I'm not making this up. Sushi is popular now for happy hour and they'll add sushi. And I'll be like, Do you, who's going to come to an Italian restaurant for sushi? <laughs> and how confusing is that? You know, like to what your concept is. And we've had, you know, definitely success stories, but I can tell you the long, the longevity of a client, let's say like Gots, is they're very clear about who they are. There's just so clear so that when they open one, you already know what you're going to get, what to expect. They introduce new specials and things like that, but it's always within the concept of American roadside classics. So you have to have those parameters around what you're, what you're, you can't be all things to all people. I interviewed at a place that was opening that seemed to have everything in place. And then as I was leaving, they asked me if I knew any chefs. And I thought, I, I went, what do you mean? You yeah. don't have a chef for your restaurant and you're already interviewing employees? I said, how can you even possibly think of opening? Who's cooking? Right. Yeah. And they're going to have their own ideas, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think what's going to happen, certainly post-COVID, is, is investors are a little more cautious with their money. And I think that, that concepts that are well thought out and well funded for sure We'll, we'll have a way forward, but these ones that are a little more loosey-goosey, I don't know if they're, they're going to work or even be able to get financing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think now, too, with the addition of the, all the new tech, to- tech tools, you also have to decide what kind of restaurant do you want to be? You know, right, do you right. want to be somebody that's using an iPad for all your ordering? Do you want to still do service? So there's a whole, I mean, COVID is, you know, there's, there's silver linings in everything. And COVID has opened up many doors to the level of creativity that restaurants had to go through to survive. There'll be many lessons that will come out of this that even though we're hearing how hard it is right now, and it is the staffing challenges, the costs, 
everything. We're a survivor industry and we can wear it as a badge of honor that we've all made it through this last two years. People who are successful in the restaurant business are survivors. They probably failed a couple of times or, or have had some you know, knocks and, and bumps, but they, they figure out a way to get it done. It's the same mm-hmm. thing just being as a service person on the floor. You need to figure out how to get that food out to that table, how to get those drinks out, no matter what happens. Yeah, you know, it's very, for me, it's, uh, you know, the reason I think I've really came to it is because it's so similar to showbiz. You know, yes. when, the li- when the lights go on, the show's out, you know, nobody cares what's going on behind cool. the scenes. And so I think that's why I, I fell in love with it. Would the chefs be the uh, the the actors in this one? Well, or? the chefs, the servers, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know the the drama. I love all the drama too. Like, there's a lot of drama <laughs> that goes on. Like, it's you know opening opening and managing a restaurant. Like, the stories I could tell you if we had more time would be yeah. awesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Cultures are created at every restaurant, and and it's really fun and exciting. So once you've successfully launched a restaurant. How would you help my restaurants kind of remain relevant and in the public and media's eye like a year later when I'm no longer the new kid on the block? The first thing I would say is, again, it's, it's, this sounds like, I sound like a broken record, but it's so, it's so clear that your concept and your service and, and, and your customer service are that, like, if you don't have that down, then nothing we do is going to help you. It has to start with a core foundation. So many restaurants do become these legendary Zuni cafes and, right. you know, we're uh, Nopa where they've become so well known for the consistency and the quality of their service and food and their everything that they they may not need us as much as other restaurants. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to stay now you have to stay relevant with social and digital strategy. You have to keep introducing new ideas within your concept that creates allure and excitement for people to come try something new or come again or bring friends or all that. So how we can help is, you know, work with you on putting these strategic plans together. And we go quarter by quarter for how, like, what's coming up? What should we be doing? What's relevant? And I, and the, I think the, I think what I've be, sort of become known for a little bit is like, I, I'm not afraid to say it's not interesting or like, like that's not going to stick or like not enough. So when we build out these plans, we're really working with the operators to say, okay, what are we going to do that's going to keep people excited and inspired to come back? Even if you are busy all the time, there's, let me just say, the most expensive thing in a restaurant is an empty chair and everybody always has empty chairs. Always room for more business, no matter what anybody says. And something that happens with the restaurant business is often people wait until it's too late yes. to start trying to fix something, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're already, I call it on the back of the hill. Once the ball starts yeah. rolling down the back of the hill, it's very hard to stop it. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, restaurants, they, get, they can get into a, a rut and just keep going, doing the same thing over and over again. And then once things start to slide and they start getting those empty chairs, then they want to fix it. But by then, it's, it, it's already kind of too late. I get calls that, or emails that say, we need PR. They think that, you know, we're going to come in and be able to solve all the problems. I'm very proud of the fact that we can in a lot of cases or we help. But in sometimes, to your point, Jeff, it's too far gone. And then we talk about a retool, the concept, or what do we need to do to shake it up? Well, you see now more, I think, with the, with the immediacy of social media and that kind of thing, people are a little more aware of that. People read their Yelp reviews. They know what's going on, and they can tell when it's starting to turn. Where in the old days, there, were, there were, weren't as many indicators as there are now. You know, and the people are, are on top of it say, okay, let's, let's fix this now. Yeah. And that's a positive and a negative in some respects, because you know how you know, some, some people on, I'll say on Yelp and on some of the other platforms that, you know, might be a, like a, a one bad thing happened. And I always say with the Yelp review or with any sort of review, you have to get in touch with them to dig in and see what really happened because you want to fix it. 
you know, you want to fix it so that you you can move on and learn from it. And you have to celebrate your successes too. You don't, you don't, it's funny in the restaurant business, we don't hear, we hear more complaining than we do. It was awesome. It's just natural that people want to tell you that they had a bad experience or something went wrong. You think about all the experiences you've both had in restaurants. Like it's more fun to tell the war stories of what happened versus right, right. like, oh, we had a wonderful dinner at such and such and such a place. You, you have an expectation for that. So when something goes wrong, it's, you know, it's definitely more fun. So the word of mouth on a bad experience is really damaging. What are common mistakes that you see like first time restaurant owners making? Do you see a pattern or I mean, are there? Yeah, I think, I think my initial reaction is too much too soon. Mm-hmm. Start with like you can have a, a more limited menu. You can figure out when the right time to open lunches or dinner. You know what I mean? I think they're, and listen, I know they have to have payback and they have to have money, but I think it's got to be really well thought out. You have to have an opening plan. When do we want to get the influencers in? When do we want to get the media in? When do we want to actually physically open up our doors? The other thing that drives me crazy is there's no such thing as a soft opening because if you're charging people money, you are now open for business. And it makes the media, Kevin, you probably know this, it makes the media crazy because they're like, oh, you can't write about it because we're in soft opening. I'm like, well, are you charging people? Then you're not in soft opening. What you can do is you can create a preview period where you're not offering everything that's going to be on the menu. You're maybe doing some discounting. So there's ways for you to build to it, but you can't expect to you know, start taking in the money and not calling it open. I can't ex- express enough, you know, restaurant people, pinning them down to plan is the key is the key and then executing to plan. And, but you know, with restaurants, you have to be so nimble. Things change on a dime and you have to change on a dime too. Sometimes like I say, you have a plan and and the plan is meant to be modified if it's needed to be modified, but you should at least stick to who you are and what you are. And so we start every client with a key messaging session, whether they know it or not, we're going to sit down and say, let's get everybody on the same page. You've got to have your signatures, dishes, the three or to five that people talk about. And you got to have your defining differences, like whether it's the wallpaper in the bathroom or the name, but like everybody needs to have their signature items, the craveable ones that people talk about and say, you got to go there to try that. And the, the market research, you know, like I always say, the first thing is you have to see like, what's in the neighborhood? Who are the people? Where are they going? And what's missing here? You know, and and I think a lot of times there's, you know, let's face it, the the uh, the sexiness of opening up a restaurant, at least with the, especially the tech community, is like they want to do their their kind of restaurant, their kind of thing. There's many clients that we we don't take on because we feel that you know we already know right out of the box this may not be a success or this they're too scattered or it's just a very wealthy owner that just wants to have a, a, vanity. a vanity place, right? And so so you have to look at all that. Please join us next time when we welcome even more professionals from inside and outside the restaurant industry. My name is Jeff Burkhart. Thanks for listening.